Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Mrs. Salt. And I am Grand Shaniwa. <laughs> Welcome to episode 255, Best of the Super Juniors 4. I mean, come on. Come on. We're here. We're excited. You gotta be excited. B-O-S-J-I-V. Bring it on. I mean... It's going to be nothing but wrestling. Matt will probably tell us about some angles, but mm-hmm. this is not uh, yeah, NWO. Not too, there's not too yeah, there's not this. too many angles. It's, uh, it's a nice little tournament. Yeah. It's got some people. Stuff happens. So this is the fourth Best of the Super Juniors produced by New Japan Pro Wrestling. It takes place between May 16th and June 5th, 1997. Hence the name Juniors. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> With the final coming from the Nippon Budokan in Tokyo, Japan, with an attendance of 14,000 people. So when they say live at Budokan, this is the place, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Making sure I'm remembering right. But we are in Tokyo, Japan. Damn right we are. So Shane, did you do what you do? Well, here we are in Tokyo for the best of the Super Juniors. And, you know, it's the technical fourth Best of the Super Juniors. So I did what I typically do when I tried to figure out what the hell do people in Japan eat. Japanese food. Yes, they do. I decided to try and come up with something a little... A little bit of a theme for the show. And since the show itself is called The Best of the Super Juniors, that made me think of, like, junior-sized foods. Foods with, like, the best flavor. And there's a restaurant that I've wanted to try for a while here in Oklahoma City called Jinya. It is a, uh, a ramen bar, just opened up not too far from uh, where we are recording here, and looked over their menu, found their small plates, and found quite a few items, four to be exact, of just some of the, the best little bites that they have to See offer. See what you did there. Yeah. Four junior bites. We got, I'm hoping for, uh, a little bit of salvation from the last little... Steamed buns that uh, I got from the place that we did not mention. These ones look, I don't know, Gordon Ramsay gourmet in comparison to what we got last time. Nice fluffy bun. It's got some uh, braised pork, a little bit of mixed greens, some cucumber, a little what they call bun sauce, and then a uh, kewpie mayo. We've got some pork gyoza. We've got a, uh, what was this thing called? Uh, it's crispy They're rice with crispy spicy rice tuna. Crispy rice with spicy tuna, that's what it is. It's uh, crispy fried sushi rice topped with spicy tuna, and then a little slice of serrano pepper. And then lastly, the uh, crispy chicken. It's just fried chicken thighs. It came with a uh, ponzu sauce, uh, a little bit of lemon, some, some greens as well. A, a very nice looking plate here. 
I have only tried the gyoza and the uh, the chicken. Here, you're trying think? to get a crunch. God go bird. The chicken's gonna give me the crunch. I gotta try this sushi rice though first. That's good. Everything was good. That is actually really tasty, for just being a reconstructed bite bite of sushi. Yeah, it's kind of like um, what if you deep fried? It's just a deep fried like ball of nigiri rice, and then but you know spicy tuna mix on top. Mm-hmm. Low texture. The sushi rice is good. The flavor of the spicy tuna is good. Let's take a bite of the chicken. There you go. There's a little bit of noise. There's that crunch. Chicken's still juicy after we've been sitting here talking for however long we were talking before we turned the microphones on. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah, everything was really good. I mean, the the redemption of the bun, where it's like, oh, the meat in this one is uh, edible and soft. And see, like, and the, the last one. the bun isn't, like, a dry, like, piece of, like, it didn't taste like a extra thick communion wafer. No. The last one, I didn't want to take a bite of it because of how it looked. This one, I don't want to take a bite of it because of how it looks, because it just... Looks like... It's that pretty. Like I don't want to ruin oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's just... It's what a, a steam bun should look like. And then uh, also ordered some of their carbonated uh, beverages. What did you say this is called? Oh, uh, ramen. It? It's like... Ramen. Yeah, soda, Japanese soda, typically fruit-flavored with like... In a glass bottle, and there's like a little... A little the, marble. The lid is, a mar- is like a clear marble and you push it down and drink it um they're always tasty but yeah there's not, not much liquid in them not overly sweet they they do drink really fast um they give us three flavors mine is the original lemon lime flavor matt got a strawberry mike got a blueberry, blueberry. Mm-hmm. the bottles are Cute. different the little plunger top thing was interesting a fun way to start a drink yeah if you ever find a melon one if you're in an asian like market the melon ones are my favorite. I'm going to have to be on the lookout for these more. I may have to go to the Asian district just to see what other flavors I can find. Cause you can find all kinds of fun stuff. There. I like them. You know, Unlike the Sprite and 7-Ups that we get over here, as far as lemon-lime sodas go, they're more sweet than they are refreshing. And this one, it's not overly sweet, so... A little crispier. Yeah. I dig it. And, you know, it makes noise. Sometimes not even when you want it to. Yep, like that. (laughs) I do want to say that the steamed bun was very spongy. And so getting all the flavors of everything that was Uh, in the sandwich. The sandwich. Yeah, talk to the sandwich. I don't care what anybody says. Was a little difficult. Not going to say it was bad. No. Just flavor was good. Like, getting all of the flavors. Yeah. I've never had a five-star steam bun in my life, but this this one was one of the better ones I've had, because I've had some very bad ones, not even including the one one the chain brought in. So I normally just steer clear. It just kind of tastes like dough. Like, it's not bad. It's just... Yeah. It overpowers the the flavor profile of everything. I feel like that they became a thing, so people just have, like... Like, like the steam buns that they buy, like frozen and then reheat them. And I imagine that the only way that it's ever like great is if it's a place that actually makes them in house. Yeah, yeah. But you're not gonna find that as much in uh, the middle of Oklahoma, probably. Probably not. But yeah, the gyoza was some of the better gyoza that I've 
had and I could eat gyoza. It might be my favorite food. I could just eat those things all day. Oh, yeah. There's a, a spot up in Tulsa that I still have to check out, but they have a uh, every Thursday is dumpling night, and they make like 10,000 dumplings just for this weekly eat, dinner. Damn. Yeah, but it's a few different, a few different varieties. Yeah. I've got to check them out. They've got a night that's a dumpling night. They've got another one that's a... What they call their butter bar, where it's like a, a seven course dessert menu Damn. that you can go and try all these different called? ones. It's called Etal, E T A L. Okay. That's the one that I'd mentioned before that has the authentic Japanese breakfast on Sundays. Is that what, yeah, put it cracking a raw egg into fresh rice? Oh, uh, it's, there was like, 13 different oh, components. Okay. Oh, that's so the only had, like thing I really You had your know. rice, you had some fish, you had some mm. egg, you had a little miso. I can't remember what all was on there. I haven't actually been there to try it myself. I just remember looking over the menu because it sounded interesting. Oh, I'll keep it in mind next time I'm up there. <laughs> it's only on Sunday, so. Ah, uh, okay. Normally I am there on Sundays. Normally if I go up there, it's like a Saturday or whatever. Drive home on the Sunday. Cool, cool. Well, yeah, everything was good. Bun, re- Bun Redemption. Ginya Ramen Bar, if you're ever in Oklahoma City. Check them out. Well, something that would come to theaters right around the same time as our Best of the Super Junior Tournament. Mm. Lost World, Jurassic Park. Well, guys, have fun with this one, because I went to see this in the theater, and I fell asleep during it, and I never attempted to watch it again. I think I may have only seen this like one and a half times. I've seen the first movie... Probably like 10 times in my life. And I may have seen the third one more. I feel like people are pretty sour on Lost World, right? Or... Actually, it's the third one that most people are... Sour on? Sour on. I think I enjoyed the Because the second one still kind of is like... So after the success of the first one, Crichton went in and wrote a sequel. Okay, so he didn't... The book wasn't out yet. No. Oh, okay. He went and wrote a book real quick, and they did a quick turnaround to make this movie, which it was it was fine. Is it kind of like how Jason goes to Manhattan? Doesn't the dinosaur just show up like at the end for a second on land? Uh, there's a second island, and then they oh, is that the Lost Kingdom? Yeah, the, the Lost World. Lost World. Yeah. yeah. But basically, they you weren't, you weren't a big Lost World guy either. No. I mean, we all really. love the original, right? Yeah, yeah. the original's perfection almost. Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah. It's like oh, he this did... This is the one It had, wasn't Vince Vaughn in this one? No, uh, Vince Vaughn's in the third one. Okay. Was he? Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> I guess we just aren't big post... Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> post the original Jurassic Park guys. I know that when they did the... The new ones, I only watched 40 minutes of the first one and decided it wasn't for me. And they made three of them. But I've seen Lost World and I've seen Jurassic Park 3, but I don't have any... They didn't connect with me in any way to where I, you know, remember much. Jeff Goldblum... Vaughn's in the second one? Uh Uh-huh. Because the third one was when they tried to bring all the original people back again because people didn't really care for... From my memory, they didn't care for this one as much. Is yeah, Sam Neill in this? No, no, Sam Neill Sam came second. back for the third one with Oh, yeah. Laura Dern. Laura Dern's not in the second one either? No, this one has Julianne Moore. Oh, really? Goldblum was the main character yeah. in the second one. Oh, I kind of hate Jeff Goldblum. 
You got Arliss Howard, Peter Stormare, Richard Attenborough, Pete Postlewaite. I don't know if I ever told you guys this, but in the first uh, Jurassic Park movie, uh, Attenborough, you know, plays a little old man. I thought that that was Steven Spielberg as a child. <laughs> I, thought it, I thought he was pulling like a, uh, you know, like a Hitchcock or something. Even though no, Hitchcock one, didn't talk to So him. they're growing more on the second island. They plan on opening up a park in San Diego on the mainland. Oh, and of yeah, course, that's a bad idea. Oh. We, all, we all know how that's a bad all idea. All hell breaks loose. Yeah, I remember going to the theater to see this one, all excited because I loved the original one, and then I fell asleep about a half hour into this because... Just because? It just didn't... It didn't slap the way the original one did. Who directed Lost World? Spielberg did. Oh, okay. He even came back for this one. Huh. I think that's most of the reason why people don't... Find like, it a little disappointing. Don't shit on this one as much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not as good as the original. We no, all Everyone no. knows that, but... I remember the third one being kind of fun and trashy. It's uh, Joe Johnston who made The Rocketeer, so, you know, that's pretty sick. <laughs> I love The Rocketeer, but... It is, it is one of those things... 368.8 million. I mean, this one was Part number two, two in the theater. 618.6. Yeah, they were... St- I think all three of them were still very successful. Yeah. But... There's plenty of movies that are very successful and uh, aren't great. Has a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 54%. So I guess that is a just a middling. Yeah. Ooh, part three had a 49. And honestly, not that bad considering as far as uh, like if the first one dropped, the second one dropped that hard, the third one. Only dropped a little, a little bit in people's eyes. No, I just gotta look. What did the first one get? Yeah, ninety-one. I mean, yeah, Rotten Tomatoes. You know, it's it's kind of a barometer for the most part. But there's plenty of movies that I love dearly with bad Rotten Tomatoes scores. Oh yeah. Nobody can tell me what movie I'm gonna like or dislike no, no, just because of their own. I know Empire Records is like a thirty-something on Rotten Tomatoes. <sighs> That's that movie called Classic. <laughs> You guys like it more than I do, but I had a fun time watching it. I've seen I, it a few times. I've watched it more than twice. I could quote that movie, I'm yeah. sure. That used to be my inventory movie at Blockbuster. Yeah. Say no more. No, no more. Let's talk some best Super Juniors. So, it's a tournament with two blocks, 14 men. So, each one has about seven guys apiece. Some of our wrestlers involved are Robbie Brookside from All-Star Wrestling. Who you might recognize that name as he's a trainer now in NXT. Okay. His daughter uh, was Zaya Brookside oh. with NXT UK. I was like Zaya Lee? No. <laughs> That's, That's what I was thinking at first, too. <laughs> Zaya Brookside. I know who you're talking about. Uh, Robbie's tag team partner, Doc Dean, also from All Star Wrestling. El Samurai, Chavo Guerrero Jr., Chavo. Chris Jericho, Koji Kanemoto, Jushin Thunder Liger. Hanzo Nakajima and Grand Nanawa, both from Mishinoku Pro. Shinjiro Otani, Scorpio Jr. I assume that's not. Has nothing no to relation. do with. No relation. Oh, with Too Cold. <laughs> uh, Yoshihiro Tajiri, uh, Tatsuhito Takawa, and Dr. Wagner Jr., who just so happens to be a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. Really? And none of the other guys are? Who the fuck is Dr. Wagner Jr.? I dig the name. Just He's a 
CMLL or AAA guy. Oh, okay. With his name, I do not assume that he is a Hispanic wrestler. Dr. Wagner sounds about as white as a kid. It's Vaughn's father. Vaughn Wagner's father. (laughs) Okay. Those 14 men competed, each one of them a round robin. You got, in this tournament, you got two points for a win, no points for draw or loss. Okay. So, or no, it wasn't two points, it was just one point. So it was basically. Whoever had the most wins basically moved on. So each match is just a block match, basically. And whoever had the most wins after their seven matches the two would move on to the final. finals. So we go to our first match. Jushin Thunder Liger versus Chavo Guerrero Jr. in a block A match. That also happens to be in a high school gym. Yeah, this one would take place on May 16th, so the first day of competition at the City Gymnasium in Kiru, Gunma, Japan. And the last time we saw Guerrero was at Fall Brawl 96, episode 220, and Jushin at Wrestling World 97, which was episode 235, our January 4th show. Yeah, I mean... Which is where we'll see most of these guys the last time. But this match is actually clipped early on. Uh, Chavo hits a drop kick and works the arm, only for Liger to counter into a camel clutch. Jushin releases the hold to nail a kapu kick, and he tries for a second one, only for Guerrero to leap up and backflip over, allowing Chavo to deliver multiple hip attacks, sending Liger out to the floor. Guerrero heads up top to fly out with a plancha before returning to the ring to hit a moonsault for a two count. And Chavo heads back to the top for a splash, but Jushin gets his knees up, allowing Liger to nail a brainbuster and a swan dive headbutt for a near fall. And Jushin telegraphs a back body drop with Guerrero flipping over him and delivering a hurricanrana for a two count, followed by a drop toe hold and a la magistrale cradle for a near fall. <sighs> Chavo then charges at Liger only to receive a show tie before hitting a jumping Liger Bomb for the pin. And the win. Fun little uh, early tournament match. Yeah. But you can tell it's early in the tournament because they started in the outskirts. We're not in the, we're not in a big city. But it was fun to see uh, them in this smaller venue. Oh, yeah. You know, Chavo looks like he just got out of class and jumped in the ring. <laughs> so we go to our second match. Shinjiro Otani versus Yoshihiro Tajiri in a Block B match. And this would take place on May 20th at Karakun Hall in Tokyo, Japan. And the last time we saw either of these guys was at Wrestling World 97, episode 235, when they actually faced each other on that show. So if you remember correctly. Yeah. It's the first time we saw Tajiri. And uh, we're always happy to see Otani. <laughs> he looks, Tajiri looks even baby facier here. <laughs> yeah, he looks Because I had to stare at the screen for a second and like, is that him? So Otani just starts kicking the crap out of yeah. Yoshihiro. Taking him to a corner where Shinjiro stands on Tajiri's head and claps to the crowd. I love the corner face wash. Just rubbing your boot right across their damn face. 
Otani begins wearing down Yoshihiro with headlocks, wrecking the face with his forearm and cross arm breakers, forcing Tajiri to make the ropes. And Shinjiro continues with a heel kick and another arm breaker that Yoshihiro counters into a half crab, with Otani making the ropes this time. And a basement drop kick by Shinjiro places Tajiri in a tree of woe, followed by another basement drop kick. <sighs> And standing on his head in the corner once those, again. Those low basement drop kicks to his face twice in a row. But when he sets him up for the trio, I was like, "Is he gonna do it? Is he gonna do it?" And it just looks so snug. He just fucking pushes his face in, and then steps on it. Ah, you're so disrespectful, Otani. I love it. Yoshihiro fires up with a drop kick that sends Otani out to the floor, with Tajiri looking to fly out with a plancha, only to land on the apron when he sees Shinjiro just walk away. Yoshihiro then leaps off the apron with a cannonball onto Otani, before returning to the ring, where he goes for a roundhouse kick as Shinjiro makes the apron, only for Otani to catch his leg and apply an ankle lock momentarily, until Tajiri can escape and hit another drop kick. I fucking love this shit. My god. Yoshihiro goes to bring Shinjiro in the hard way, but Otani floats over and delivers a release German suplex, followed by going back out to the apron for a springboard dropkick to the back of Tajiri's head. I mean, it's picture perfect. He just really looks like he hates the man and is doing everything he can to uh, make it known. Shinjiro with a bridging German for a two count, and he goes for a dragon suplex. But Yoshihiro blocks and nails a Hurakarana for a near fall. Tajiri tries for another, only for Atani to catch and drop him with a powerbomb before heading out to the apron for a springboard spinning heel kick for a two count. Shinjiro then whips Yoshihiro to a corner, only for him to leap out to the apron where he drop kicks through the ropes back into the ring followed by a Liger Bomb and a rolling sequence that ends in a near fall. Now back on their feet, the two men exchange slaps when Otani tries for a roundhouse, only for Chijiri to duck and nail a dragon suplex for the pin and, and the win. Post-match, Shijiro can't believe it and tosses the ref across the ring while Yoshihiro celebrates. I love that Yoshihiro like can't even believe it. He's like, oh, I fucking, I, I got the three count. So good. And then some old guy in a suit comes out and gives Tajiri a hug before speaking to the crowd. And you can hear Otani throw something off camera or yeah. break something. He's in like his he's, own personal hell. Yeah, like he's, it is breaking he's playing down. it off perfectly as he's leaving the ring. And it makes sense because he was like before they even locked up. It was intense, and it looked like he wanted to murder the guy, and then he looked like he was trying to murder the guy the whole match. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and he's, you know, Yoshihiro snuck in snuck in the pin, and uh, his world's crumbling around him. Yeah, I, I was surprised by this one. I wasn't expecting oh, Tajiri was, to get it. Yeah, me neither. But it makes sense early in the tournament, and they have history, so, you know, mm-hmm. it's good stuff. And did Tajiri lose their last one? No, Tajiri won the last. Did he? Okay. No, Tajiri lost. Yeah, last. like he probably lost. He's a, he is working for war, right? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. So we go to our third match: Tatsuhito Takao versus Koji Kanemoto 
in a Block A match. This one also happened on May 20th from the Crockman Hall. And we haven't seen Koji since Wrestling World 97, episode 235. And he looks for a handshake before the match, only for it to be kicked away. And uh, this is when I begin to already have warm feelings for Takiyawa. Like, oh yeah, I love some dickhead energy. So, yeah, already a little pumped. So there's a feeling out process to start until Kanemoto starts laying it in with stiff kicks. Only for Takaga to no-sell, followed by some stiff shots of his own and a back suplex. And Takaga goes for a half-crab, forcing Koji to crawl his way to the ropes before the two trade strikes until Kanemoto tosses Tatsuhito to the floor and then into a guardrail. Now back in the ring, Koji wears down Takaiwa with a headlock and a leg lock, where they trade slaps and kicks to each other while in the holds. But Tatsuhito reverses into some arm work of his own, before whipping Kanemoto around the ring, followed by a leaping forearm in a corner. Takaiwa with a body slam and a running knee drop, before going for a suplex, which is countered by a drop toe hold for Koji to work the leg some more. And the two lock up for a test, test of strength. strength. That Tatsuhito just shoves Kanamato down to the mat and begins to stomp away. Until Koji catches a boot and is able to place Takawa in a tree of woe momentarily. Woe. Kanamoto with several stiff kicks before the two start trading strikes in the middle of the ring. Which Tatsuhito gets the better of, knocking Koji down. And Takawa shoulder blocks Kanemoto, but he kips up, so Tatsuhito runs the rope when Koji tries for a leapfrog, only for Takawa to catch and drive him down with a power slam for a two count. Ah, I love to see it. Kanemoto rolls out to regroup, but Tatsuhito leaps over the ropes with a slingshot plancha to keep up the attack before rolling back in. And Takawa brings Koji in the hard way, followed by heading up top only to miss an elbow drop, allowing Kanemoto to go to a cross arm breaker, which forces Tatsuhito to make the ropes. And Koji, with multiple stiff kicks, a body slam, and a pair of top rope sentons for a near fall, followed by an overhead belly-to-belly suplex. He looks for another suplex, but Takawa fights his way free, only to run into a spinning heel kick. Koji continues with a body slam and he heads up top, coming off with a moonsault. But Tatsuhito moves, only for Kanemoto to land on his feet. Takaiwa hits him with a kick to the gut, allowing him to deliver a Death Valley driver and a straight jacket suplex for a two count, followed by a cross arm breaker, which forces Koji to make the ropes. I love that it's not until that power slam where he catches him from the leapfrog that we get our first pinfall, and it's like 11 minutes in. I mean, these guys are kicking the shit out of each other and uh, doing mat work while slapping each other in the face. It's uh, so good and intelligent and uh, awesome. And they keep it interesting enough to where you don't really even notice that there hasn't been a pinfall yeah, exactly. that like, long into the match. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. You were, you were uh, yeah wrapped up in the, like, legitimately slapping the hell out of each other, forcing the ref to get in between them to break. Yeah. They don't like each other. And I like it. 
Tatsuhito sets up for a powerbomb, but Kanemoto reverses it into a sunset flip for a near fall, only for Takaiwa to come right back with a body slam and head up top, where Koji dropkicks him from behind to cause Tatsuhito to crotch himself. Kanemoto then climbs up for a poison rana before a body slam and another moonsault attempt. I mean, right on the head. The poison rana was disgusting looking. When Kanemoto comes off, this time he's met with knees from Takaya, followed by a triple powerbomb into a Death Valley driver for the pin and And the the win. win. I mean, has anybody ever earned a pin <laughs> more than that? Like the three, yeah, three power bombs. Doesn't release. Just lifts him up and dumps him like a rag doll into the Death Valley driver in the pin. It's like, kick out of that. Wrestling's dead. Post-match, we get interviews in the back with both competitors. But it's in Japanese, so uh, sorry. Yeah. No, no clue what they said. Yep. I mean, this was... 110% up my alley. But what do we do? What do you know anything about uh, Takiawa or the different or what these guys have? They obviously hate each other. I'm pretty sure I picked up some context clues from later in the show as you know, there'll be people in other people's corners. Takiawa is obviously a heel, but black shorts, stiff heel. Just kind of a uh, him, uh, he was a trainee with Otani, um, basically coming up at the same time with him. So they, yeah. they teamed up to win some the junior heavyweight tag yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, dick, dickheads of a at one point of a feather. feather flocked together. Yeah, <laughs> but this was kind of his first year that he really singles started making a name for himself. Was ninety seven? Yeah, like he had basically just been a, a young lion. Yeah, yeah. Point. Well, he's making a wonderful impression on me all these years later because. I love this guy. So we go to our fourth match. Grand Nanua versus Jushin Thunder Liger in a Block A match. And this would take place on May 24th at the Prefectural Gymnasium in Okayama, Japan. Yeah, this match uh, notably is uh, the lights are low. Where all these other ones, you know, if you've seen a match in Grokwin Hall... Lights are up, baby. And in that gym, lights were up. Uh, So, you know, it's always, it seems almost rare that you watch a Japanese wrestling match with the lights down. (laughs) Naniwa, we can't talk. We got to talk to crab hands. Absolutely. (laughs) Man has just giant crab hands, and uh, then he throws them off. He's a crab comedy wrestler that can wrestle, but. And we haven't seen him since Super J Cup 95, episode 175. A little bit. Mm-hmm. So the match is immediately clipped ahead to Nanawa hitting multiple Tornado DDTs for a two count. Before the two fight over a waist lock, with Jushin getting the better of it, to re- deliver a release German sending Grand Nanawa out to the floor. And Lyre climbs to the top, but Nanawa meets him there, where a headbutt sends him back down to the floor, allowing Jushin to leap off with a plancha. Now back in the ring, the two run the ropes with both going for a clothesline to cause a double KO. Followed by the two fighting over another waist lock, with Grand Nanawa going for an O'Connor roll. Only for Liger to hold onto the ropes to block. 
and Nanoa responds with a basement dropkick and heads up top for another dropkick to the knee before locking on the figure four, where Jushin struggles, but he eventually crawls his way to the ropes to break the hold. I love that, you know, we can't see Liger's face, and he always makes up for it by just being a little bit louder in the ring when he has to be, because he's the godfather of the junior heavyweights. He just does it right. Can't tell Rey Mysterio that. I'll tell Rey Mysterio that. <laughs> Grand Ranoa with a gut-wrench sit-out powerbomb. Places Liger on a turnbuckle, only to be headbutted off several times. But Nanawa's resilience allows him to finally attempt a Super Rana, only for Jushin to hold onto the ropes, sending Grand Nanawa crashing down to the mat. Liger then goes for a Tornado DDT, but Nanawa counters by just shoving Jushin off to the middle of the ring before heading up top himself, where Liger meets him for a superplex for the pin and, and a win. win good it's not the obviously not as good as some of the matches we've already seen but it's grand naniwa who is there's a reason it's like yeah he's a good wrestler but he does some japanese comedy stuff there's a reason that you don't really ever see him in the states but you know he can't go i only imagine the comedy they'd have him do in the states no choppy vp <laughs> so we go to our fifth match Jusen Thunder Liger versus Tatsuhito Takara in a block A match. And this one would take place on May 26th at the City Gymnasium in Takamatsu, Kagawa, Japan. And Liger looks for a handshake. And again, Tatsuhito is disagreeable. He gives him the middle finger. And I couldn't be more excited. This guy is made for me. But Jushin just returns the favor. So charming. And the two start us off with a test Ooh. of strength. strength. That Takawa gains control with to begin working over Liger's leg with leg locks and stomps. Until an insiguri by Jushin allows him to escape momentarily. Only to try a leapfrog, which Tatsuhito catches and drops him with a power slam for a two count. Don't you love... Japanese tournament wrestling, how it just pays out to watch all the matches. Takawa heads up top for an elbow drop to the leg for a near fall, followed by a diving headbutt and a figure four to continue the punishment, forcing Liger to make the ropes. Jushin back body drops a charging Tatsuhito out to the apron before hitting a massive shotai to send Takawa crashing out to the floor. Now back in the ring, Liger hits a powerbomb for two and sets Tatsuhito on a turnbuckle, where the two exchange strikes, with Jushin being knocked down to the mat, allowing Takawa to fly off with an elbow drop, only for Liger to avoid and cradle up Tatsuhito for an earfall. Jushin then nails a fisherman's buster for a two count, follows that by heading up top for a swan dive headbutt, but Takawa moves in time, allowing him to deliver a Death Valley driver and a bridging German suplex ah. for an airfall. I know, it's like the Death Valley driver. It's like, is that his finisher? It, you know, put Kanemoto away, but he followed it with a bridging German suplex. So I was like, hey, could this be it? 
It was not. Tatsuhito goes for another German, only for Liger to reverse the waist lock and hit a released German of his own, followed by a short arm Shotai attempt. But Takaiwa ducks and hits a straight jacket suplex. Tatsuhito then sets Jushin on the top turnbuckle, connecting with a super Death Valley driver, before hitting multiple power bombs. But after the third one, Liger counters the pin attempt by flipping Takaiwa over for the pin and, and the win. win. What a finish. I mean, yeah. Also, that spot with the. Uh... The short arm lariat, and then Takiyawa ducks it, and just seamlessly, like no time wasted, perfect flow into the straight jacket German. It's like, ah, ah, you don't see shit that smooth all, too often. Not often enough. And the straight jacket Germans where they just like, they lay back and throw. There's one I remember Jushin doing where that's what it looked like as he just did a belly to back. Straight jacket is like, like when they have their, have their arms. Room. Yeah. They have their arms wrapped around. They, you know, yeah. They toss them. Okay. So yeah, they go. It's yeah, basically. That was the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nuts. When he landed, it was like, ooh, that was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, like this Takiawa guy. Love his energy, love his uh, moveset, and uh, he's also great at selling. It's kind of the whole package. Mm-hmm. Why, why did I not know who this guy was before now? Just kind of appeared on them. Yeah, I feel like I would have heard about him at some point, just you know, from casually dipping into Japanese wrestling. Remember that name for the future when (laughs) we talk about how he was last seen on episode. I know when I cry five or whatever it. So we go to our sixth match: Koji Kanemoto versus Doc Dean in a Block A match. Doc Dean sounds like a WWE name. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, this match would also take place on May 26th in Tak Takamatsu. And the match is clipped ahead right away uh, to see Kanemoto hit a spinning heel kick, a Saito suplex, and the two start trading slaps. Slap the hell out of each other. Until Koji body slams Doc and heads up top for a moonsault. But Dean moves and nails a clothesline. Doc then heads up top for a somersault senton for a two count. Goes up again to leap off with a splash, but Kanemoto avoids and delivers a judo throw and locks on a cross arm breaker, only for Dean to get a boot on the ropes. And Koji stomping away on Doc before slamming down and heading up top, only for Dean to meet him there for a super hurricanrana for a near fall. Doc then slams Kanemoto down and heads up again to fly off, only for Kanemoto to nail him with a drop kick on his way down, following up with a bridging tiger suplex for the pin and, and the win. win. I like uh, that post-match Koji like massages the neck of Doc Dean, who's just like shaking his head. He's like, "Hey, buddy, you're just not there yet." So we go to our seventh match. Koji Kanemoto versus Jushin Thunder Liger in a Block A match. This will take place on June 1st from the Odawara Arena in Odawara, Kanagawa, Japan. And both men came into this match at 4-1. and one. 
Essentially making this a semifinal as the winner would move on to the finals. So we get a feeling out process to start with them taking it to the mat where Jushin would work the arm while Kanemoto tries his luck working the leg, including a knee drop that sends Liger rolling out to regroup. I mean, Liger's had his knee pounded for a month now at this point. As soon as Jushin gets back in the ring, Koji's on him with stiff kicks until Liger catches one to counter it into a dragon screw leg whip. But Kanemoto comes right back with more kicks. And the two have a chop exchange until Koji hits an overhead belly-to-belly suplex and goes back to work on the leg with stomps, followed by a body slam and a moonsault attempt, only for Jushin to move in time before delivering a kapu kick and a clothesline. And Liger keeps up the attack with another kapu kick and multiple show ties that sends Kanemoto over the ropes to the floor, following out with a somersault senton from the apron before another show tie that puts Koji in the front row. And Kanemoto barely makes it back in time, where Jushin continues the punishment with another show tie, followed by placing Koji on a turnbuckle for a super fisherman's buster. For a two count. And Liger takes Kanemoto back up where he can hit a super Frankensteiner before climbing to the top himself to nail a swan dive headbutt for a near fall. Jushin goes for another Kapu kick, only for Koji to catch him and reverse it into an ankle lock where he has to crawl a long way. Yeah, he's so far ropes. from the ropes, and uh, yeah. You know, you got. You want Liger to be working from underneath? Kanemoto then locks on a figure four in the middle of the ring. Liger! Where Liger's struggling to make the ropes, but he finally turns it over to reverse the pressure, forcing Koji to make the ropes to break the hold. Jushin runs into an overhead belly-to-belly suplex, allowing Kanemoto to apply a cross leg bar, Causing Liger to writhe in pain. Yeah, he's flopping like a fish. It's like grabbing at the ref's shirt. <laughs> yeah. Until he can just finally make the ropes. Koji with a roundhouse kick to the stomach, a body slam, and a second rope corkscrew senton. Before going to the top for another corkscrew senton. But Jushin moves in time, allowing him to fire up with a Liger bomb for a two count. Jushin then takes Kanemoto to a turnbuckle for a super brain buster, but Liger's too tired, so he takes him a moment to make the cover for a near fall. Jushin continues with a front slam, and he heads up top for a missile dropkick that Koji just sidesteps and sets up for the Tiger suplex, only for Liger to reverse the waist lock to hit a release German that sees Kanemoto land hard on his head. It's yeah, it's like flat basically head first but then his stomach. He does like a full a full flip in the air. Wow. Jushin heads up top again. But Koji meets him there for a super power slam, followed by a moonsault for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Koji Kanemoto moves on to the finals. I mean, we always talk about how Liger's not afraid to lie down, but he picked his moment here. Um, granted, we didn't see all the matches. I don't know who his other loss was to, but uh, yeah. 
It will, it's not uh, Takiyawa's year. It's Kanemoto's year, Liger. I should mention that Liger at this time is the J Crown champion. Oh. Meaning he's also the IWGP light he- yeah, yeah. junior heavyweight. Yeah, but it makes sense that he probably wouldn't win twice in a row. Yeah. Plus, he's also. There's so many guys. That... Do they still have the eight belts for the J Crown? At this point, I believe it's only seven <laughs> as one of the belts got lost. Not like physically, like the person Somebody lost stole it. it. Like someone before Liger lost the belt, just that one belt back to that crew. So it's only seven belts. So we go to our eighth match. Shinjiro Itani versus El Samurai in a Block B match. And this would take place on June 3rd at the Yamagata Prefectural Gymnasium in Yamagata, Japan. We haven't seen Samurai since the J-Crown Tournament, episode 213. And we basically have another semifinal, as both men came in with four wins again. So the winner is advancing to the finals. And Otani attacks as El Samurai is getting in the ring with a pair of drop kicks. I love him so much. He still has his jacket on, too. His shiny jacket. Followed by the two just slapping the crap out of each other. Ooh, do they ever. Sending Shinjiro rolling out to the floor, only for Samurai to fly through the ropes with a tope suicida. Back in the ring, they trade strikes until Otani rakes the face several times with his boot before placing El Samurai on the top turnbuckle and drop-kicking him out to the floor. Shinjiro then springboard planches out atop Samurai, followed by a springboard spinning heel kick back into the ring <laughs> for a two-count. Otani goes for a suplex, only for El Samurai to float over to nail a bridging German for a near fall, before delivering a reverse DDT and a swan dive headbutt for a two count. Yeah, and uh, of course, the guys are on the floor because it's a big match. So you've got Liger and um, Koji, like, you know, pulling for El Samurai. Samurai tries for a suplex, but it's blocked and reversed by Shinjiro for a released German of his own. Right on the head. He steps on El Samurai as he makes his way to the apron to springboard back in with a drop kick to the back of the neck. God damn. Otani then goes for a dragon suplex, but it's blocked. So he settles for a bridging German for a near fall, followed by a hurricanrana for a two count. Shinjiro tries for another, only for Samurai to counter it into a powerbomb, before nailing a thunder-fire powerbomb for a near fall. El Samurai tries for another, but Otani slips out and hits a spinning heel kick, followed by trying for the dragon suplex once more, only for Samurai to reverse it into an implant reverse DDT, which Shinjiro then counters out of into the dragon (laughs) suplex for a two count. No. I mean, uh, hell of a semifinal. Otani goes to the apron to fly back in with a springboard dropkick. El Samurai moves in time and rolls up Shinjiro with the La Magistrale. For the pin, and no, Otani's boot is on the ropes. And both of these guys are gassed, like pulling themselves up by the ropes and then just like doing, using like bursts of energy to pull these moves off only to be gassed again. You've seen it before, but you know, a little context. 
Shinjiro takes Samurai to the top for a superplex. The L Samurai reverses it into a super face buster. Followed by the implant reverse DDT. For the pin. And the win. Post-match, we get some more interviews in the back. And then we get the credits. Followed by still photos of the final. But don't worry. We're going to cover that next. Because we did find the video of it. Yeah, it's weird that the didn't the final wasn't included on whatever this was pulled from. I'm glad it's, you told it's, us ahead it's of a, time. It's a actual video that they released. Yeah, I was like, why would you put the final on the video? It made no sense. To me. Yeah, that Matt neck that um, like inverted neck breaker DDT thing, El Samurai does is sick. It I, looks so uh, nasty. Misread that text. Oh. I didn't watch. The match. That's why, as I'm reading this, it's like, oh, okay, that makes a whole lot more sense. Because I thought that seems like a really weird time to end the show. Because it didn't feel like it was the big celebration ending that I was expecting it to be. Uh, well, <laughs> and I was like thinking back to the text that you had sent, and I thought because the wording on it said something about if you haven't watched already through the credits, don't. And I was thinking that you just found like the full match. Because I knew this one was somewhat shortened, but uh. yeah, I mean, this now is I get to have story time. Yeah, yeah, this is good shit. <laughs> I highly suggest watching the final. Uh, this is good stuff. It's not my favorite match so far, and I'm typically not the biggest El Samurai fan, but I'm about to eat my words. So yeah, see, I thought that was weird too, but you know, occasionally we watch these things, and there's somebody that's in the final that I haven't really seen yet, or you know. Only had a, a bit part on the, the road to it, so yeah. Cool. Well, first thing for me, you may not have liked it. I know I liked it. I'm just normally not a huge El Samurai fan, but and I really enjoyed him here. I'm, I'm saying the two words. Shortlist? Shortlist for this okay. match. I have other another match on this show that I feel shortlist opinions about. A couple of them. But also, do you know where this match was clipped at? Because the official time of this match is like almost 19 minutes. Mm -hmm. We only see 10 minutes of it. Damn. But I literally rewatched this match and I'm like, I have no clue where they clip stuff at. No, I couldn't tell where the clip was either. There was one spot where it looked like... It looked like they did like a reversal of the camera angle at one point, but I was like, it was exactly, they were in the exact same spot. That they were in the previous camera angles. So. And see, there was something right before the end of it where it looked like El Samurai's mask was loose or something like that. So I thought maybe that's where it got clipped at because I backed it up and before that his mask was tight. But then he also had those little flat things yeah. Yeah, hanging in the front. So that may have just been what was throwing me off to make me think that his mask was loose. Yeah, I mean, at this point in the show, Kanemoto Takiawa is my like shortlist match. At this at this point, but uh, there's no match on this show I dislike. So we go to our ninth match: Koji Kanemoto versus El Samurai in the Best of the Super Juniors final. And as mentioned earlier, this match took place on June 5th from the Dapon Budokan in Tokyo, Japan. And we get back and forth action, full of wrist locks and holds, when Samurai would just start stomping away working the back with a camel clutch and a butterfly hold. 
Kanemoto fires back with a spinning heel kick, followed by the two men just slapping each other, until El Samurai delivers a back suplex and heads up top for a knee drop, only for Koji to move in time. And Kanemoto takes advantage by working the leg with kicks and leg locks, before just standing on Samurai's head in a corner, forcing him outside to regroup. I love Koji's dickhead. He just likes stomping and standing on people's heads, and uh, I couldn't appreciate it anymore. El Samurai returns, and he immediately takes control, placing Koji in a tree of woe, hitting a pair of basement drop kicks, <sighs> followed by just choking him with his boot, until Kanemoto falls out of the tree, grabs the leg that's choking him, and counters it into an ankle lock. One of the best spots. I mean, this show is full... These. Like, this tournament is full of awesome spots that uh, you don't see coming, and uh, this one is so simple and smart and uh, chef's kiss. Samurai grabs the ropes to break the hold, so Koji starts stomping away until El Samurai can retaliate with forearms to the face, followed by several kicks to the face, including another basement drop kick for a two-count. Samurai starts running the ropes with Kanemoto leapfrogging before nailing an overhead belly-to-belly suplex and goes back to the ankle lock. Wrenching on the move, causing El Samurai to scream in pain, forcing him to crawl his way to the ropes for a break. Koji continues with a body slam and he goes up top for a moonsault, only for Samurai to move, but Kanemoto lands on his feet, only to be taken down by a vicious lariat. I mean, you know, he's been watching the tape. He knows that if he moves, you're going to land on his feet, on your feet. El Samurai then vertical suplexes Koji over the ropes to the floor, falls out with a tope suicida that sends Kanemoto back first into the guardrail. And they make their way back in, where Samurai charges at Koji, only to receive another overhead belly-to-belly suplex, followed by a cross leg bar, before locking on a figure four with the crowd going crazy. Samurai! Samurai! Now Samurai rolls his way to the ropes to force a break. But Kanemoto then ties up Samurai in the ropes, delivering multiple stiff kicks before just slapping him a couple of times. The fucking crowd is going bananas. The Maybe some of the loudest crowds we've heard in Japanese shows. It is, uh, every single person in there is stomping. <laughs> you can almost feel it through your uh, through the speakers. Koji goes to run the ropes, only to run right into a forearm from El Samurai, who follows up by attempting a thunder-fire powerbomb. But Kanemoto floats over and applies the ankle lock. That poor, that poor leg. Samurai reaches the rope, so Koji... Nails a body slam and goes for a second rope corkscrew senton. Only for El Samurai to avoid and deliver several DDTs. Samurai then heads up top for a swan dive headbutt for a near fall. Before slapping Kanemoto and tossing him out to the floor. And he goes up, he like basically is like calling for the finish. It's like, it's over, I'm going to the top. Comes off the top, but he's so far away in the ring. I was like, he's going to miss this headbutt, and he fucking makes it there. And there's a huge pop, uh, and I'm part of it all these years later. 
Back in the ring, Kanemoto takes control after a spinning heel kick. He hits a body slam and a second rope corkscrew senton this time, before just ripping at El Samurai's mask, tearing it apart. And the crowd's already as hot as they could possibly be, and then you start pulling at the mask. This is why masks exist. Koji places Samurai on a turnbuckle to nail a super poison rana. Ugh. Causing El Samurai to land right on his head. Disgusting. But Kanemoto doesn't care and just kicks him multiple times in the noggin. Yeah, dude. He just pure heel. Just like kicks him in the head and shrugs. Koji follows it up with another body slam and heads up top for a moonsault. But Samurai gets his knees up before hitting two power bombs and applying a cross arm breaker. And Kanemoto is able to get a toe on the ropes, forcing a break. But El Samurai won't let go until the ref is forced to pull him off. Samurai then hits a slam and he heads up top. But Koji meets him there for a super power slam, followed by a moonsault. But he doesn't make the cover. He finally hits the moonsault and doesn't even cover. Hell yes, this guy's a fucking dickhead. He decides to end it with a bridging tiger suplex for the pin. And no, El Samurai kicks out. Legitimately the hottest crowd I've ever heard, ever. Kanemoto goes for a top rope corkscrew senton, but it misses, allowing Samurai to place him on a turnbuckle for a super reverse DDT. El Samurai continues with a reverse suplex and an implant reverse DDT for the pin and the win. Post-match, several of the other juniors jump in the ring with another mask to put on Samurai. So we can celebrate as we fade to black. Aww. I mean, it's the best shit ever. <laughs> like, yeah. I fucking love this so much. It's typically it, how it goes. If I miss a match, <clears throat> that one is, is particularly the match of the show every fucking time. Uh, my, uh, the, the, I, you missed the ref bump, though. I did. Yeah, Sam's, uh, El Samurai's foot catches uh, the ref as he kicks out. And uh, there's a slight ref bump before the twist sent on. But, you know, it just it adds a, a, a little bit, but it's, it's not like one of these ref bumps that like derails the match in any huge way. It just adds a little bit more of the, the tension to a crowd that is, like I said, don't know if I've ever heard a hotter one. So I got a fun fact for us. Let's hear it. So the next month, Samurai would challenge Jushin Thunder Liger for the J-Crown and would win. But he would only hold it for about a month when he would lose it to Shinjiro Otani. Then in November, the WWF demanded that Otani vacate the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship, which was part of the (laughs) J-Crown. Shinjiro did so, but also decided to vacate all of the other titles except for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, returning each of the belts to their home promotion. Mm, so he was the last and crown champion. Ending the J-Crown mm. title. I mean, I'm not mad that he was the last one to have it. Mm-mm. I think anybody that had it was uh, worthy of the Sounds crown. Special. Yep. 
But I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Best of the Super Juniors 4? Not sliding you, Shane. No. Watch all of this. Everybody watch all of it. Watch, you know, Liger and Naniwa is probably the weakest link, but it's also the shortest one, and by no means is it boring. But, yeah, everything here is great. This is the shit that I live for. Is When it comes to wrestling, it's like, yeah. I don't even know much about some of these guys. I don't even know the, like, context of where they are in their careers, but it's all in the ring. It's all right there in the ring. You don't need to know anything. You'll find something in the match quickly, and it will, you know, hold your attention until it's over. I feel like I've said this, mm-hmm. and I'll probably continue to say this. If you can watch Japanese wrestling, <laughs> watch Japanese wrestling. Mm-hmm. Though I do have to say, I know what match Dave Meltzer gave five stars to in this tournament. Oh, which one was it? And I'm not sure if that's even my favorite match. Okay. Well, what is it? Because my thing is my... The finals got five stars. Okay. My fi- my favorite was uh, Kanemoto Takiawa. And I thought it was going to be my favorite, but that final, I got caught up in it. But like I said, there's so many other good matches here that I wouldn't be mad at anybody for picking a different favorite. I literally was like, if there are three matches, easy. Yeah. Um, to the, be put on the short list I mean, for this show. There's three matches here that are the best we've watched in 96. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Shane, did you have a favorite of the ones you watched? You flip back through so I don't get names jacked up. I enjoyed... Honestly, I enjoyed the Otani Tajiri match. Yep, it was good. Um, uh, There's something about watching little baby Chavo that always makes me smile. Of the ones that I saw... It was all but the last one, so there's plenty of good stuff. Uh, I enjoyed... Probably the Kanemoto Liger of the ones that I saw. Yep. There's nothing uh, nothing wrong with that. Huh. But I do enjoy the fact that we're now on Super Juniors 4 and we've watched a few other Japanese shows and I'm starting to recognize people more and more and more. So, like when Otani came on, I knew who Otani was. So yeah, didn't you didn't have, have to, to like, look, look at, at my cheat sheet. No, no. Like, oh, I know that. I know that. But maybe if I had looked at my cheat sheet, I would have saw that there was another match to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Takawa was the. I mean, he's definitely the surprise. Yeah, I had no show. idea who he was. We didn't have yeah. any clue who he was, and he delivered for me personally. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, uh, Koji and uh, Otani, I both love. This is kind of a coming out party for Koji Kanemoto, obviously, where he uh, also has. Yeah. That dickhead energy that I love, but he also has more of a star persona than Tagiawa, who's the younger guy. But that's why I like their match so much, because it's kind of like watching, like, I mean, this is not the right way to put it. I was going to say, like, watching, you know, two pit bulls fight, but I don't want to promote dog fighting. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. It's like, pit bull one and yeah. pit bull two. Uh-huh. It's like watching the, like, the, like, the two biggest bullies in your high school have a fight where you're like, fuck <laughs> yeah like yeah but you know one's older and dresses better <laughs> but they both know how to fight but yeah but they yeah they're both uh yeah one's just got a little bit more experience 
Good, Where, where's the smart marks at? Alright, fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. What are some of the best moments of this show? When Kanemoto finally hits his moonsault that he just constantly misses, hence my nickname for the show, Mrs. Salt, because he just misses the moonsault constantly, but lands on his feet. That's where it and, was. Uh, and then when he finally makes it, you're like, okay, well, he's going to cover, right? And then he doesn't cover. He's like, fuck it. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna make sure this guy is six feet deep. That got me, cause, you know, we unfortunately didn't get to watch all of these matches. If we did, it'd probably have to be two episodes, cause, uh, or maybe three, cause it's a large tournament. But uh, we got more than we have in the past, and for some tournaments that we've covered, mm-hmm. um, and we've saw a lot of Kanemoto. We didn't see much Samurai, but we saw a lot of Liger, a lot of Kanemoto. Uh, a good amount of Otani and and uh, Takiawa, but being able to see a strong amount of the Kanemoto matches and the way that they built up to the way he worked the final and the moonsault finally fucking like hitting at like a you know when it feels like a crescendo of a match and he uh, fucks it up for himself and um, then gets angry about it and uh, it's his downfall. But there's a lot of great. I mean the ankle pick. And then the um, yeah, the, there's the, the, the that, whole sequence there in the final where it's the tree of woe and he's yes. choking him, and he's he's wrenching on the neck so hard in this choke that he falls out of the tree of woe and he grabs the leg, leg to turn down. it into an ankle lock. It was yes. just like, like what is going on? Uh, the other and then the was it Takiyawa who catches Liger's arm? Yeah, yeah, that was a great spot, and then. This is just kind of general thing for the matches that we watched, but the some of the like most compelling mat work, which like Japanese mat work is typically more compelling, yeah. but here like these guys are like either flopping like a fish or they are like slapping each other back in the face or like hitting their own knee to push it into like another guy's face, like it's just wildly compelling mat work which japan or already does well but uh these guys there's something on the line so they're pulling out all the stops and uh the anger and uh frustration and hate is palpable the whole time they're not rest spots by any means because uh these guys are working just as hard and it looks like they're there looks like they're expend uh, expending just as much energy on the mat as they are when they do a fucking flip. Also, all the fucking drop kicks to people's heads. So much kicking in the head <laughs> throughout this series. The basement drop kick was a thing on this show. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Basement drop kick. And then, yeah. The shrug. When he's just like, does the playful kicks to the head. And then just like shrugs like, whatever. Whatever, I got yeah, this shit. Super, I'm feeling that's myself. super poison Rana. Yeah. And then he kicks him in the head a few more times. And you're just like... Dude. Yeah, he's not even doing it hard. He's just like, whatever, I got this in the bag. It's like, no, no you don't, but you, yeah, the ultimate downfall. Uh, the the straight jacket German that yep. did. Yeah, you really like that one. I mean, on it that. looks so good. Um, oh, the triple powerbomb into the Death Valley driver. Yeah, I mean, that's why that's kind of, like, outside of the final, that's my favorite match. Yeah. And I've... Well, yeah, but the like that, Takiyawa, 
He just ragdolls him and then hits the Death Valley driver. But Tommy losing his shit off camera. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. He just seems like, I mean, yeah, he seems like a badass that will fuck you up, but he also <laughs> seems like a professional. I just go less, listen to the last hour of this episode. Yeah, yeah, and Tajiri, yeah, Tajiri, like, not even be like, oh, did I actually do it? Yeah. Was there anything disappointing on the show? I mean, my own self. Yeah. <laughs> Hoisted upon your own batard. This sounds rude, but, like, the disappointment would be that of the matches that we have on video... I would have liked to seen one that wasn't Liger and Naniwa because, like, yeah, that's fine, but I know there was probably some other, like, match that we didn't watch that was great. I mean, got the other but eight. I didn't dislike I'll that. I'll be honest. The other eight minutes of I was, some, yeah. Samurai and Otani. Um, that Jericho was in this tournament. Oh, and we didn't get not on the, on oh, that's the right. disc that's yeah. right. on the you mentioned him. video at all that, like, I was like, oh, that's... I mean, I like Jericho. Yeah. I think he... This is actually the time when he's actually in ring. He's probably the best. And he's and actually Jericho in this one, and they're yeah. not doing a super liger. No, he was just straight Jericho. <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting. Um, also, I got to see Dr. Wagner. Who the fuck is Dr. Wagner? Uh, Very true. S- spoiler alert, you'll see him next year. Oh, cool. Well, that's nice. Huh. In the opening match against Grand Naniwa. <laughs> yeah, it's six minutes. It's cut for time. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the the main disappointing is that some of these matches are cut for time. Yeah, I think the we edits here are really good, though. The edits were good, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no complaints about this video that we found. No, other than other than why would you not put the final on the video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <clears throat> yeah, we it's it it exists. Yeah. It was a little disappointing too because when I went to watch the it on uh, the final online, the quality was like a little less good mm-hmm. than these these yeah. tapes. But it's like it still didn't take away from it because like I said maybe the hottest crowd I've ever fucking heard, or at least the hottest crowd I've heard in recent memory of uh, the shows that we cover. Maybe that's why it was not available because they were offended by how unprofessional the Japanese crowd was. For no, that event. everybody talks about how the Japanese crowds are quiet. They're not quiet. They're just, it's just, a, they're not, they don't hijack the show. Uh, yeah, it's more genuine, the emotion. How about best performer of the night? Hmm. I'm going to go Kanemoto. You're not going to give it to the crowd? No, you can't give it to the crowd. <laughs> did you see what these guys did? I'm giving it to Kanemoto. A lot of <clears throat> a lot of it has to do with uh, we saw a good amount of him. Uh, yeah. The other is incredible selling, incredible character work, dickhead through and through. Yeah, speaking and, of his character work, like literally, yeah, it just his character it just, work it just dawned on me yeah. that like in the Takawa match, he's the face. Mm-hmm. But then in the final versus Samurai. <clears throat> He's the totally shit hill. Yeah, and he still does dickhead stuff in the Takiawa match, but like he's he's not the he, like Takiawa is the is more heel ish. Yeah. But in all the other matches we watch him in, like he's he's the heel, and then he goes like full full on. But like he's cons- character is consistent, and I think that like I don't dislike El Samurai, but he just kind of feels like a guy that can do that can wrestle really well. As, a, as opposed to, like, the full package where Koji Kanemoto 
feels like the full package. It's like I have a sense of who this guy is. Whereas El Samurai, I, mean, I don't yeah, have a sense for what he is. The Samurai one here, he's probably like the fifth or sixth most interesting person on this show. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, he's not my favorite guy, but like he's still better than most guys. I just, you know, I am a bigger but he fan just of. Just showed up on two shortlist matches. Exactly. Too, so it's like... Yeah, he's great. But like, I'm a bigger fan of like Otani or you know or Hiroshi Hase oh, yeah. and stuff like that. There's guys that I like more. So when I say that El Samurai is not my, not one of my guys. Doesn't really mean anything because he's still delivering incredibly quality matches. Makes you feel something. Absolutely. I'd say. I mean, what I saw of Kanemoto was great. I wish I would have saw the final. But... We'll put it in the text uh, thread again. Um, You'll enjoy it. I promise. Smoke da, a big da, old bowl. Da, 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 da. I don't even uh, think you need that to enjoy. There's that. always no, something you know, great but about. But it, it might make it more intense. <laughs> always something great about old. Stone Cold, Shinjiro, Ostani. Yeah. Oh, I do love Otani and would have liked to see more of him, but... This wasn't his year, but it was, in my opinion, Kanemoto's year, even though he lost the final. Like, I'm like, holy shit. This guy is... He's one of my guys. Sometimes you don't need the title, you just need the match. Yeah, absolutely. And how about most surprising... I mean, it's Takaro for me because I had yeah, no clue who he was. Absolutely, and he now I'm like, I want more of this guy. Yeah, I want to see what this guy's gonna do. After like the, um, after I watched his last match on this show, I like googled his name and was like, it's like, oh, he didn't do enough, but at least from what I could tell, just reading like his Wikipedia page or whatever. But I was like, I'm, I want as much of this guy as I can get. Uh, like Kanemoto, I know the name. We haven't seen him quite in this like new rarefied air mm-hmm. where he's put it all together. Um, but I, I know that we'll see more of him. Whereas Takiyawa, I'm like, well, I don't know how much more of him we'll see, but I'm interested to see it. Yeah, because I came away from the Kanemoto and Takiyawa match being like, Takiyawa is my fucking guy. And then watching Kanemoto work full heel in the subsequent matches, I was like, well, shit. Takiyawa was really awesome, but like Kanemoto, is, he's the guy. He's the real dickhead. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Terry Funk had become the ECW champion after defeating Sabu and began feuding with Shane Douglas and his crew. Terry would call in a few friends of his own to help him for an Ultimate Jeopardy steel cage match on March 26, 1994 in Devon, Pennsylvania. Each participant would have a stipulation placed on them, ranging from head force to be shaved, never being able to team together again, and losing the championship belt. Everybody would brawl in and around the ring when Funk would have Mr. Hughes in a spinning toehold, only for the franchise to tie a plastic bag around the head of Terry, followed by a pile driver for the pin to become the ECW champion for the second time. Douglas would fend off all challengers over the next few months, leading ECW towards the biggest night in the promotions history. I forgot about the bag spot. Yeah, I so badly there wanted to say, and the win. (laughs) (laughs) 
Next week, Wrestlepalooza 1997. I know that's ECW. It has yeah, to be ECW because okay, it's it called is. Wrestlepalooza. Is Perry Farrell going to perform? La, 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 la. <laughs> he might show up. Never know. Yeah, who knows? Never know what's going to happen yeah. in the old ECW arena. Can we get the offspring? Are they going to show up? God, I hope not. <laughs> the... Um, is it Maybe a, one last time. Is it a easy? Uh, is it a pay per view? It is not. Okay, I don't know how 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 often they run pay per views after the first. They, you, they ran about four a year. Okay, on a quarter system. Okay. basically. yeah, that makes sense. But they still have these big shows, and Wrestlepalooza has a few memorable moments that happen oh, during yeah. it. So I'm happy to hear it. We have. I feel like we've had a, maybe a decent break from ECW. A few episodes. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. been a little bit slower this. Yeah. I'm excited still, to go back to the arena. It was a little bit tougher to find some of these 97 super shows. Yeah. So music from this week's show is The Score by Emerson, Lake, and Powell. And uh, our, our, our boy El Samurai won. So we're going to play his theme music, Terrible Gift by Asamu Suzuki. I love the name of the yeah, song. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I can't pull it from the match the matches that we watched, but uh, I'm interested to hear it. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and view us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns? If you've ever been to Philly, if you've ever eaten <laughs> anything from Philly, drank anything in Philly, if you got a friend that you went to high school with that moved to Philly, or worked there for like three weeks back in 1996. Did you have a friend that went to Lollapalooza? What did they serve there? There you go. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're going back to Philly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm going to need some ideas because I know there's at least one drink left on the... Uh, oh, is there still one left? The old cocktail list that mm-hmm. we've been holding on to. Um, yeah, because the last ECW show was your birthday. So yeah. that, that was in Philly. We made a cake. Yeah. Yes. yes, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, there's still still one on the list. I wonder who it's drawn from. Keep it a surprise. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I'm going to have to scroll back to Raven. We probably need to make sure we do it. <laughs> no, Raven was the first. Yeah, okay. I think we did a Raven. We did Raven's one. Revenge. The Dreamer um, Screamer? I don't remember who's the uh, yeah, yeah, Anywho, um, give me some Steve ideas either. for Philadelphia ECW. If you want to do like uh, our buddy that sent the last drink selections did go on chat gbt and send me some suggestions yeah beverages foods it can be meals snacks if you want to see if there's wrestling themed sandwiches because that's what this culinary adventure started as send me something we'll if you send me something we'll send you something so give me some ideas please but you can do any of those things at our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on X at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Stay